Our theme this year is excellence. Right now we've been looking at the Holy Spirit, and uh, we started off with Luke 11, and uh, he gives us the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, and it's talking about giving good gifts right before that. And then uh, I got a hold of that devotional, and we've been looking at the devotional and really looking at uh, the devotional through God's Word, because I agree with what the devotional is talking about. The scripture, the devotional was based off, just a reminder, is Hebrews 1.9. And part of that scripture says, Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness. And remember, when you have anointing and oil, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. When you're talking about oil, it's not always about the Holy Spirit. But when you put those two words together, you're talking about the Holy Spirit. Therefore God, your God, you could put in there the Holy Spirit, has anointed you with the oil of gladness. And we've looked at the, the different few topics, two or three topics I can't remember now we've looked at to get us where we are here. So what we're going to, I'm not reading the whole uh, devotional this morning. I'm just going to start on one of the points that it says. It says this, the Holy Spirit is oil. When he pours his presence on your failures, you'll see new opportunities in your life. You'll grow. The Holy Spirit is oil. When he pours his presence on your failures, you'll see new opportunities in your life. You'll grow. Lamentations 3, 20 through 24 says, and I love these scriptures, says, Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. I'll stop there. That just reminds me of what I just said about the song we just sang. Reminding us, ourselves, of who our God is. It says, uh, surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore... I have hope in him. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind. Therefore I have hope. You know, sometimes we need to remind ourselves. We need to go back. We need to think about the things that God has done for us, the areas where God has met us, the, 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 the temptations we've overcome, the trials we've faced and made it through. Remind ourselves. Go down memory sometimes. Just go down to start thinking and writing. And um, sometimes it's nice to actually get down a pen and paper and start putting it on paper and reminding yourselves. Because some of the things you say, I will never forget, you forget. And you would swear, I will never forget this. I don't have to write this down, and then we end up forgetting it. Write it down. Put a marker down. In the Old Testament, they would put down markers, and they would go back and remind themselves. And every time they see that marker, we need markers in our lives sometimes. When you're training a dog in obedience, when you get to something where it's having issues and you're having a hard time breakthrough, you go back to the last marker. You go back to the last place where you had success, and you start from there, and you start over there, and you redo that, and then you start building from there again. Sometimes we need to go back. We need to remind ourselves. We need to 
understand and bring to remembrance who our God is. Why? Because it tells us right here, it gives us hope. It brings us hope. Every person on this planet wants and needs hope. Every single one of us wants and needs hope. If, if we just, if we could leave here with hope this morning and every single one of us leaves here with hope, we would be way ahead of the game. There are, with the amount of people are in here, there are some people here this morning who are looking for hope in their lives. They're facing difficult things. They're wondering what's going on. Maybe some of us are crying out, God, where are you? What happened to you? I haven't seen you. And it takes me back to the song we sing. Even when I don't see you, you are working. Or even when I don't feel it, you are working. I don't know exactly how the lyrics go, but, you know, we base so much on feelings. You know what? I don't feel this or I don't feel that. And I've said this before, and I wasn't planning on it, but emotions are always real, but they're not always accurate. And basing decisions on emotions most of the time are poor decisions. So don't worry about those feelings. As a matter of fact, take the decisions off the emotions, take your decisions off your feelings, and place them upon God's Word. Who is faithful? And then we remind ourselves, and we not only remind ourselves biblically, and we see what God did biblically, and all the miraculous that He did biblically over and over and over and over, but then we start looking in our own lives, and the things, and the places He got us out of, and where He got us to, and how He has met us over and over and over, and it gives us hope. And it gets us right. He's got it through me before, and He can get me through it again. And I need that. It says, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. That's something we need to be reminded about all the time. Because sometimes we don't feel it. Sometimes Satan starts lying to us and putting these thoughts in our head. Like, uh, like you're not worthy. Like, see, the reason you're going through this is because God's angry at you and he's trying to get back at you. See, you really are a, and you fill in the blank. I don't know what he says to you. You really are a, and then we listen to it. And we start believing it. And we let it start staying in our mind. And God says, my loving kindnesses, they never cease. I'm always for you. I always want the best for you. I will always be there for you to help you have the best. That's what I want for each and every one of my children. Each and every one of you, that's what I have for you. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. There is a time when the door will be shut, when the door to heaven will be shut. There is a time, and, and they won't be open to it, people again. But if you're alive on this planet and you're breathing, that door is still available and it's still open to you. I don't care what sin you've committed. I don't know, care how many times you've committed it. I don't care if you take all the sins you've committed together. It's still open. God's loving kindness, they never cease. They're available to us. And we need to thank Him for that. And we need to share that with the world around us because people need hope. And this gives us hope. 
And they're looking for hope. They're looking for Jesus. They're looking for the answer. In the Old Testament, the people are in the wilderness, and they start moaning. They start complaining. They start griping. And they said that this bread, this manna that you've given us, what they call it? They called it worthless bread. This worthless bread that you've given us. God is meeting their need in a miraculous way, and they're moaning and groaning and complaining and griping about it. Sounds pretty typical for us today, too. But that's where they are. And you guys remember what God did? He sent serpents among them that would bite them. And if a serpent would bite somebody, it would kill them. And it wasn't until they saw so many people dying that they said, they cried out, God, help us. We need help. And what did they do? They built a serpent of what? Serpent of bronze. And they put it on a pole. And they said, anytime you get bit, if you look up at the serpent, you'll be healed. You won't die. That's what Jesus did for us. He went up on that pole. It's called a cross. And if you will take your eyes, and, you, and the serpent's biting at us spiritually, if you don't know the Lord, people are dead. But if you take your eyes and you lift your eyes up, eyes up and you put them on Jesus, on that pole, on that cross, and you cry out to him, you will be saved. His loving kindness indeed never cease. For his compassions never fail. Oh, to have the compassion. You ever uh, have a friend who's not compassionate? You sit there and share your heart, and then they just, like, knock you down for it and tell you what's wrong about it and everything, and sometimes you just want to share your heart and have somebody just put their arm around you and say, it's okay, it's going to be all right. God's with you, and I'll be with you, and we can get through this together. Sometimes that's all we need. Just to have somebody there, just it, just the person that can just come up and just say, it's okay, we got this, we'll do this together. This just seems to fit so perfectly for me. I've shared this before, so if you've been at this church for a long time, I'm sure you've heard it, but when I was young, I was really afraid of the dark, and um, I mean, like, for some reason, it just, I was super afraid of the dark when I was in elementary school. And uh, my mom would make me take the trash out at night. Thanks, Mom. Appreciate that. Thanks for being compassionate. I'll get you back. I'd have to go out at night, except I didn't want to act like I was afraid of the dark. So as soon as I shut the back door, I sprinted to the trash can. I threw the trash in. I sprinted back and stood at the door and took a deep breath like I wasn't breathing hard and walked in like I wasn't afraid of the dark. And if I and I would sleep like a rock, but if I would wake up at night, I would lie there petrified, not wanting to move until I finally get my nerve up. And uh, I would end up going into bed with my sisters. I would call into bed with my little sister, Debbie, who was two years younger than I am. Like, Debbie was going to protect me from the dark. But she did because there was somebody there with me. And it made all the difference. 
it was a blessing for me, not so much for her. Because I was a very restless sleeper. So I'd go to sleep right away because I was comforted again because of the compassion. And then I'd beat the tar out of her the whole night. She probably didn't sleep as well. But to have somebody there for his compassions never fail. And we need to remind ourselves, his compassions never fail for us. See, we're talking about his presence in our failures, and you'll see new opportunities in your life, in your growth. We, then it goes on, it says, they are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. So even when we have our failures, his, his loving kindness, his compassion, his mercy is new every single morning. We get to start fresh every single morning. Think about that. Go back to your school days. Remember when you were back in college or you were in grad school and you were taking these tough courses and uh, you had to study and you would come and you would just, sometimes you just like, I just want to be done with this semester. I don't like the classes I'm in. I'm having a tough time. I'm struggling. And you get over and you get to start a brand new semester and it feel good just to start a new semester. But here you get to start new every single day with him. And what about during the day when we struggle? What about during the day when we fail? Do we have to wait till the next morning? No. No. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, righteous, and to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from what? We don't even have to wait till then. We can get a fresh start in the Lord whenever we need it. You can fail your eyes out and, and still get a fresh start from God. I don't know where that saying came from, Noms. I don't know. You fail your eyes out. That's a new one. I think because if your eyes cause you to sin, pluck them out. Yeah, you can pluck those things out, and God has to give us new ones. But his mercies are new every morning. We get to start over. We get to start fresh. We get to start. And oh, We have to grab onto this because we all have our failures in our life. And one of the things that Satan tells us is that you are a failure. I bet, I don't know if I want to say this, I would bet, though, if we went around the room and we asked, have you ever felt like a failure? Or have you ever been lied to? That I bet you probably every single one of us would say, yes, I have felt like a failure, and I've thought that I'm a failure before. I think probably every single one of us would say that about ourselves. It's one of the lies that Satan gives us. So we have his, his mercies are new. They're fresh every, every single morning. And great is his faithfulness. It says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is what I need. I'm not a failure because of the Holy Spirit, because of who Jesus is, because of what he did on the cross. Though your sins be like scarlet, they will be away, fresh, start, fresh start every single day. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of calamity. The righteous, those of us who know Jesus, we may fall seven times, we may fall 77 times, and you know what? We keep rising again, we keep getting up again, we keep going again, it keeps happening again. I was talking with Vidya before church. Um, 
I asked Mikey to change the time on that clock up there for me. And he grabbed a ladder, and Vidya was holding the ladder, and I grabbed it and shook it a little bit, and Vidya's eyes got super big, and she thought Mikey was going down or something like that. And Mikey didn't even think about it because he was only up on the first rung anyway. No, he was only up a little bit. But Vidya, and I said, uh, I said, I remember when I was painting years ago. And uh, I was painting up in La Mirada at this school, and there was nobody around. I was in the gym by myself. I was on top of a 24-foot ladder, which leans up against the wall, and I was painting. So picture a ladder that's quite a bit higher than that ceiling there, and I'm standing up on it painting, and the legs shoot out from underneath me. And I went straight down, and I landed on the ladder, and I just my legs just crumpled, and I just crashed to the ground. And I have a bucket of paint in this hand and a paintbrush in this hand, and I'm going down, and I just go, bam! And I sit there, okay, what's broken? How bad is this? It's okay. I stood up and nothing was broken. And uh, I stood there for a little bit. And I, unbeknownst to me, there was a janitor who was way off someplace else, and he heard this loud crash. He came looking around, found me in the gym, and uh, and it scared the heck out of me. I'm not going to lie. I went from that wall to leaning against that wall. So I, if the ladder slipped that time, I didn't know if it was going to fall in, I was going to go this way, or I was going to go straight down again. I don't really want to find out, no. I don't really want to find out again. I said this for a reason. It's because when you fall off a horse, you got to get right back on it. When the ladder goes down, you have to get right back on it as soon as you can. As soon as you possibly can called a negative reinforcer in psychology. I'm going to remind you of what a negative reinforcer. I don't see when I preach these these aren't in my notes. This is what the Holy Spirit starts giving me. So, if you don't know what a negative reinforcer is, it's uh, a spanking is not a negative reinforcer. A, spa a spanking is a positive reinforcement. A negative reinforcement is being reinforced for every second that you're not doing something. So, if you fall off a ladder, and you fall down and it scares you and you don't get back on that ladder and climb up, for every second that you don't climb up that ladder, you're being reinforced. If you stay off that ladder, you will not experience pain, so do not go back up there. It's the strongest reinforcer there is in psychology. I happen to be a psych major too. It's the strongest reinforcer there is. So when you fall down you get hurt, or when you're at the diving board and you do your first flip and you do the back flop and it stings, you need to do it right away again, because if you don't, every second you're not, you don't. You don't, you won't, you'll quit doing flips, you'll quit trying, you'll quit doing anything. And that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to quit. He wants us to smack. He wants us to fail. And to fail and not try again and stay down. You got to get up, you got to get going. I may have shared this before too. Years ago when uh, I would take the youth group out to Lake Mojave, and Petey went with me one year. And uh, Petey went cliff diving without me. And they went up on a cliff. Uh, they decided it wasn't safe. They all walked down except four of them. Petey was the last one to go. I'm doing the very short cliff version, cliff notes version. He was the last one to go. The rock, the rock he was standing on to push off, he went to jump. 
and uh, it broke, and he didn't get any push, and he went down face first into the water. He landed on the water like if you were on your hands and knees on the ground, that's how he, I wasn't there. He went down and hit like that. And uh, he said, I couldn't remember getting to, I don't even know how I got to the surface of the water. I was back at the beach, sitting on a beach chair next to Debbie Poiserot. And we were talking. Do you remember this, Debbie? Debbie's shaking her head very vividly. And this cute girl pulls up on a sea-doo, and uh, Petey's on the sea-doo with her. I said, Petey, what are you doing with that cute girl on a sea-doo? And Petey's sitting on the sea-doo like this. And she said, do you know him? I said, yeah. So I go down there, and he had blood coming down both corners of his eyes. Because I don't know what happened to me. And he had amnesia really, really badly. So I took him to the hospital. I'm trying to get to my main point here. Took him to the hospital. They, the doctor said, how high was it? They said it was around... Uh, they said 60 feet. When I looked at it, I was guessing at 40 feet. The doctor said, no, you guys are liars. If anything over 20, he'd be dead. So that was it. He didn't go cliff jumping again. Two or three later, years later, he went out with me again. He wanted to go cliff jumping. He said, I have a fear, and I want to try to overcome it. The first ledge we went to was maybe eight feet tall, and he probably stood there for four hours trying to get his nerve to jump off a ledge. And then he wanted to jump. Well, this was out on an island, one that was around 18 feet. And I think he was up there six or seven hours trying to overcome his fear to jump. Church, that's what Satan's trying to do with us. He knows this. He gets this. And when we fail and when it hurts and when we stay down and we don't get back up and we don't walk in the victory that Christ has provided for us and we allow that fear to get in our mind, for every second we're not getting back up and doing what God wants us to be doing. We're being reinforced. Don't do that. And so we need to get right back on. That's why it says here, for a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. We rise up, we get going, we keep going again. Satan tries to bring fear, he tries to bring failure, and you know what? We just start seeing it as new opportunities, a new way for God to work in our life, that God's doing something new in our life. My guess would be if I took Petey out there again to go cliff jumping, it would take him a long time again to overcome that and uh, do it again. Another scripture here that doesn't 100% deal with it, but I love this and it ties in. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. All those who feel like failures, come to me. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Satan's calling you a failure. The world's trying to call you a failure. You're calling yourself a failure. You're yoked to the wrong. You're yoked to the wrong person. You're yoked to the wrong thing. Remember the yoke is you put two oxen together and they pull the, the together and you walk behind. You do all that or the wagon, whatever you're pulling. And yeah, that's the yoke. And so we have 
Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we have the Holy Spirit upon us, He wants the best for us. He wants us to see failures as opportunities for God to do a work in our lives. Just a, just a opportunity. God, you want to do something else? You want to improve me more? You want to make me more like you? I thank you for it. I've said this before. If you're never failing, you're not trying hard enough. If you're never failing, you're not trying hard enough. We sang the song this morning to call me deeper, to go out where my feet can't touch. I'm trying to remember exactly how those lyrics go. Can you find those, Mikey, really fast or not? Call me deeper where my feet will never wander, where my faith will become stronger in the presence of my Savior. Call me, yeah, keep going. That's not the one. It's the right song, though. No, keep going. Yes, that's it. Spirit, lead me where my trust is. We just sang this. If you were here, and you know, when you're worshiping God and praying, you're saying, God, Spirit, Holy Spirit, this is what we're talking about this Spirit. Holy Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Did you mean that when you, when you sang that this morning? Were you crying that out to God? Leave that up there a second, Mikey. If you were crying out there, here's my question for you. If God said, I want you to get out of the boat and walk on the water, would you do it? Or would you stay in the boat and come up with five million reasons why you shouldn't get out of that boat? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct or make your path straight. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. What if this morning the Lord says, I want you to sell everything you have and go to the mission field? Would you do it? What if the Lord said, you can keep everything you have, but I want you to have a mission field for you? Would you say, Lord, send me. I want to go. I'll go wherever you're calling me, Lord Jesus. I want whatever you have for me. I'm willing to do and go wherever you want me to go, Lord Jesus. Because that's what we're just crying out when we're singing that song. That's what we're saying to him. Lord, I want what you want. I'll do whatever you want me to do. You just give me my marching orders and I'll go do it, Lord Jesus. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. But if he called you to do it, would we really do it? Are we going to be a people of talk about it or a people of action? You know, uh, I was told, and I actually never confirmed it, but I was told that uh, Charles and Dolly, Dolly's the one who sits back in the back row where the row that Matt's in right there, and she sits on the corner right there, that Charles and Dolly, you guys remember Pastor Charles? He used to be here, passed away a few years ago. He's the one on Easter morning who said if... Uh, if you don't cry out, the crows will cry out. And then he just started laughing. He meant rocks, and somehow it came out crows. Pastor Charles and Dolly, God told him to sell his house one time and give it to the money to somebody else, and he did it. He took his house and sold it and did what God called him to do. I think he gave a business away one time, too. He felt like God was telling him to do it. 
If God calls you to do something, are you willing to do what God calls you to do? What about if it hurts us? What about if it doesn't make sense? What about if Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. What does it say here? Notice the last one. What does it say here? When he pours his presence on your failures, you'll see new opportunities in your life. You'll grow. Here's good news for us. Philippians 1.6 says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it or complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. How many of you have that scripture memorized? How many of us believe that scripture? We believe it when Satan calls us a failure. When we believe it when Satan calls us a loser and everything else. God says, I promise I'm going to finish what I started in you. I'm going to bring it to completion. I'm going to make it happen. Watch me. I'm going to do it. I am faithful. I am all these things. Watch me. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. Romans 7, 14 through 8, 8. More than I normally read, and I'll end up closing with this. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing but doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully confer with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who will set me free from the body of this death? death thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then on the one hand I myself with my mind am serving the law of God but on the other hand with my flesh the law of sin therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the life of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that sets you free from the law of sin and of death for what the law could not do weak as it was through the flesh God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
Here's the Apostle Paul. We've heard it before. He's saying, the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. Yeah, it feels like a failure. Yeah, that's not a fun place to be thinking about yourself, looking in the mirror saying, praise God, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I, don't, I do want to do, I don't do. Who will set me free? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. For the law of life and liberty has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Yeah, we have feelings sometimes. We don't base our decisions on feelings. We base it upon God and His Word. We base it upon the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when we feel like a failure, we need to remind ourselves we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, and because of that, it's just new opportunities. It's just a new vision. It's a new way to see that God wants to give us a new opportunity through this and to show Himself strong in this situation where we get to the point where it's what, uh, Genesis 50, 20, I believe. You meant it for evil, but God used it for good. So when Satan tries to use something for evil in our life, God turns it around and uses it for good. Amen?